Hello everyone and welcome for the first time in 2021 and for the first time since about May. Welcome to the Destination Sounds podcast. My name is Stephen Hook and this is a podcast celebrating everything to do within the world of alternative music, be that rock, punk, metal or even extreme metal. Hey, how are we doing? Last year was shit, weren't it? And... I said I'd be back pretty soon, and I wasn't, but we don't care about that. Just blame it on COVID thing, because that's what I've been doing. We're instead going to be counting down the very best albums, and then some, of Year of Our Lord and Saviour 2020. Uh, the way it's going to work is it's going to be in two parts, because I already know this is going to drag out for fucking ages. I'm just going to ramble a lot and jump over my own words. And forget things and all the usual things that happens anytime I try to record anything ever. So, this first part is going to be 20 down to 11. I'm also going to count down top 10 EPs, give a few honourable mentions as well. And then, I still haven't decided if I'm going to do them, release them both at the same time. Both parts. I think I probably will do, but on the second part, whenever that comes, even if same time or next week or the week after this goes out whatever time is irrelevant anymore that'll be stuff that sucked and was like pretty disappointing and not all that fun and then we'll do 10 down to one i think that's a pretty solid plan if i do say so myself and if you follow me on or follow this podcast on uh, Twitter, and I think I put it on Facebook. I put it. I put it places. Follow me on social media at Desolation Pod. You will have no doubt seen uh, a post I put up saying of all the things that I didn't get round to listening to. Uh, when you are staying on friends' couches and spare rooms and things like that, it's very hard to listen to, you know, ultra aggressive grindcore when they're not into it or weird cyber grind or industrial black metal so there's a lot of things that i haven't had a chance to catch up on i made myself a an impossible list there's so much i haven't caught up on so for big names that weren't even considered for the top 20 list you've got napalm death which i've since listened to since like confirming i think most of these i have listened to since but napalm death isn't on here Respire, Bury Tomorrow, Phoebe Bridges, Angst, uh, Wayfarer, Killer Be Killed, Lamb of God, Biffy Clyro, which I genuinely think would have been a top 10 contender. That Biffy Clyro album is fucking wonderful. Uh, Radkey, Alpha Wolf, Melted Bodies, which I've been listening to this week, and it's fucking insane. Fawn Limbs, uh, Fawn Limbs and Hundreds. So they weren't even win the shoe in this year and i'm very sad because they're all everything i've listened to on that list is at least a seven um what have i got left to listen to just from like casually catching up i've got wayfarer killer be killed lamb of god respire alpha wolf four limbs 100 so i haven't listened as much as i thought but yeah some great shit on there which wasn't even a shoe in um just fucking listen to them anyways because what do you need me for um yeah so everything outside of that a few honorable mentions 
uh clip drip clip drip was a band that i or the album without the eyes was something that i listened to about like the weeks leading up to the final lock-in of my top 20 and i think it's a great album it might have pushed into the top 20 uh it's the like dumbest down version of a genre i can pin it to is electro punk but there's so much going on there's a lot of punk in there there's a lot of like prodigy-esque big beat it's very like pro-feminism it's very angry feminism um very politically minded is a very very uh good album very strong album there's a lot of bite to it the way the like it pulses for like the big beat in with the drums it sounds great uh so yeah clip drip was a great album i listened to this year uh lizzie farrell with bruise i've been following her since i think it was the barbados single and then it turned into an ep and then it turned into bruise i fucking love lizzie farrell she recently did a cover of sabotage as well which uh, for those who aren't familiar with Lizzie Farrow, she is an indie pop rock artist. So going into something like Sabotage, which is like a bit hardcore, a bit rap. I I saw it and like very tepidly clicked it. And it turned out she did an amazing job on that. And songs themselves, they're dark, they're gloomy. They're very, they seem very honest and very blunt in its in their message. And I think she's just wonderful. Uh, but you know, didn't get. I always feel bad. Like honorable mention didn't get top twenty. She was, she was. I can't remember where she finished finally, but yeah, she was tippling the edges. We'll say. Uh, Greg Prusciato, child soldier, creator of God. Uh, Greg Prusciato of Dangerous Escape Plan fame. He's also part of Killer Be Killed, and Black Queen, and I think that's. I was gonna say Jaff Tongue Orchestra, but I think that's Liam. Uh, Greg is a fucking golden vocalist. There's nothing he can't do. He can sing really, really sweet, high-pitched sort of stuff. He can go doomy and, like, quite low brow. He can scream. He can shout. He can fucking shrill. There's nothing he can't do. And there's also no genre he can touch without it sounding brilliant. He is, like, a secondary version of someone like Devin Townsend. Like, in Child Soldier Credit God, it's got, like, a greatest hits of his styles. You've got like uh, progressive metal. You've got electro. You've got synth pop. You've got post punk. There's like a pop punk song in there as well uh, called uh, "When I'm Not," and it sounds fucking insane. He's just a phenomenal musician. Um, because there's so much in there. I think the reason why I didn't get into top 20 is because there's just so much going on and I was like trying to rush around trying to get a lot of things covered. So I probably haven't given it as much time as it probably needed, but no matter what style of music you listen to, I think you'll find something in there by Greg Prashata that you can cling on to and have as a great song for from the year. Earlier this year, I started writing for a online webzine called Evermetal. It's run by a lovely man called Richard Tilly. Do give them likes, follows, and all that shite if you haven't already. Um, and in the course of them, I've been able to listen to some some albums that I knew were going to be great that are, like may or may not be popping up in this list. Spoilers, they are. Um, and I got to listen to a lot of stuff that I would probably never have picked up before. I 
you, well, you get like a list of things, and then you like personally, I go through and listen to like a song of each or like a twenty second snippet of each, and sometimes it work, comes out very well, and sometimes it doesn't. A few shouts from them, or like in the ever metal stuff that I've been listening to, Unleash the Archers with their album Abyss. Uh, power metal is something that's so hard to get right now. It's always like very weak and tinny and it feels very flat compared to like a lot of the old guard that are still going like Rhapsody can always always sound very grandiose I know they're like got that symphonic element but I think they always sound great Dragon Force is another one um I would have said Blind Guardian up until they did a, the cover of oh what was a Christmas they covered some like major Christmas song I think was it I wish it could be Christmas every day fucking woeful um halloween again they're very hit and miss um these days hammerfall still sound pretty big but it's very hard to find modern power metal that really gets me the same way as it did when i first got into power metal with like sort of rhapsody and man of war and blind garden at the time and gamma ray um this sounds incredible though the lead singer britney just absolutely just destroys any preconceived notions of like a power metal vocalist she's got such a strong uh delivery it's not like the high end like very again very tinny sounding vocal it's not like a low trying to sound really cool and heavy but you sound like you're bunged up with a coal she's got such a clear concise and powerful vocal the riffs are incredible the production on the album is insane so yeah, really, really enjoyed that album. I think that was literally like in the top 25 of album this year. Another one from Evermelt that I really dug was Volcanova, Radical Waves. A stoner rock trio, I believe they are, from Iceland, which is not my immediate thought process whenever I'm thinking about anything. Uh, stoner rock adjacent. It's not like the slow, methodical, get high brother sort of stoner rock it's very like upbeat it's very bouncy it's more like early queens of the stone age more like caius that kind of thing where it's got huge beats behind them the, uh, the chorus is in there on like super duper van and sushi sam they sound incredible the riffs on there is a lot of fun and the guys i've seen a lot of interviews because i almost interviewed them and they come across as such like chill dudes they're it was a great, great time listening to that and reviewing that. Um, there's a bunch of other stuff. Check out Evermetal again. You can find all the uh, reviews I've done so far. And hopefully there should be more to come this year. Uh, other honorable mentions. Idols with Ultra Mono. Never really gave them a chance because of social media saying they were twats. They're actually really, really good. And they're not as twatty as I thought. So might be on that one. Poppy with I Disagree. I fucking love Poppy. Um, a like Western version of baby metal, and I fucking love baby metal, so I'm obviously gonna like this. Uh, Taylor Swift folklore, I would have included uh, Evermore as well, but I'm only just finished, only recently finished listening to that. Um, it's hard to listen to folklore without wanting to cry. That's pretty fun, and I think she's like she's not she's the one of the biggest pop stars in the world for a reason. Like you know, who am I to judge? Uh, Charlie XCX how i'm feeling now again 
loved Charlie for a while, really dug Sucker, and then when she went into more like a synth pop sort of thing, I was like, oh, I don't know. And then I've been swung around to it. I think this is a vast improvement on the previous album, which was, it was just Charlie. Yeah, Charlie. Um, I think it's a vast improvement on that, even though Charlie does have white Mercedes. Um, a lot of a lot of really good pop music is starting to come through. I'm hoping it starts sounds more like this, where it's quite dark and quite punchy pop instead of the fucking shit we have at the moment. Although this year I did discover K-pop. So this might be a slippery slope. Uh, Vukovi, uh, with Fallbear, it's basically just pop music with guitars. Again, punchy, very... I don't want to use the word heavy because it's not it's not quite right, but it's it's just got more passion behind it and Yeah. Oh, squeaky chair's back. Um it's just got a bit more passion behind it and with the guitars at the top it has given it that like rock flair, but it is very, very pop. And yeah, silly catchy as as pop should be. And then finally, Rina Sawayama with Sawayama. Again, ultra big pop music with guitars over the top. This is the first time with poppy and with baby metal and i imagine somewhere it's been said about Vukovi as well bands like that will be it is pop music with guitars thrown over the top i feel like the closest out of those projects to have that description i would say rena sawayama is probably the closest to that although it still works so fucking good um it's got a massive like New me new metal new metal vibes of the entire album, but the way she blends it in with that pop music, it works so effortlessly. It's hugely experimental. There's loads of different ideas going on, and yeah, I'm hoping that, like albums like that and Vukovi and Pop maybe less a Poppy, but Vukovi and Sawayama albums like that and artists like that can be the gateway into bigger and better things. I still think it's worth keeping down albums like that. I think Sawayama album is brilliant. Um, purely because it's it's just opening up. It's because there's so little cl- good collaboration between the alternative world and the mainstream pop world. An album like Sawayama is definitely needed. So, yeah. Honourable mentions gone on for probably a lot longer than I needed to. But, yeah, there's been a lot of very good music. A lot of, like, very different music. Um, not just your very cut-and-paste, hardcore or thrash metal or that sort of thing. A lot of interesting ideas happening, which is always a lot of fun. Uh, before we get into the first part of that grand meal, grand meal, all right. Uh, looking at this, the, we're just going to do top ten EPs of the year. So blasting down from ten down to six, you've got Boar with Boar Two. Number nine is Kardashev, the Bearing of Shadows, like post black metal sort of thing. Uh, eight is Wicked Face Springs Eternal, the moment I miss emo rap. Uh, Pale Dusk with Happy Talk, Electro. Uh, heavy, like, I don't, almost beat down hardcore, but a lot more bright and sunny sounding. Um, just ludicrous nonsense. It's fucking wonderful. Um, number six, Pup. This place sucks ass. Pup is a fucking great band. They're always going to produce something magical. Number five is Eskimo Callboy with MMXX. And if you're really smart and clever, you'll know that it's Norman Ruminals for 2020. Uh, Eskimo Callboy, ridiculous, ridiculously stupid electronic or style of music I thought we left behind in 2009. Uh, like Shikari, for the most part, grew out of it. We bought the bread with butter. Apparently still going, but no one really gives a shit. 
Um, is it We Eat the Skyline or She Eats the Skyline? Something like that. No one, who the fuck cares? I think The Word Alive is still going, but I don't know if they ever fell into the electronic or gar- category. Eskimo back in the day had a song called Is Anyone Up? And for the time, it was daft nonsense and it was kind of fun. Um, it was a song about a revenge porn site, which hasn't aged that well at all. But it's down now as a guilty pleasure sort of thing. And anytime Eskimo have popped up since, it's just been like a little listen here and there to find out if they've changed. They have not. They sound exactly the same up until this release. They had a change of one of the front men. We've got Nico Salac in now, or Salak. I'm not sure how to pronounce that last name, sorry. And it's given the group like a massive creative rejuvenation. Everything sounds so hooky, so catchy. Hyper Hyper and MC Thunder 2. If you're in need of easy, big, melodic choruses, those are the songs you need. Hyper Hyper is just the most dumb shit, but it's so much fun. And it's so interesting. So on the EP, um, where is it? So it's a six track EP. Three of the songs are new. And three of the songs are uh, re-recordings from like their back catalogue. And I didn't know this going in because I this is uh, a release I reviewed for Evermel. I didn't know that going in. And Hyper Hyper into Hate Love into MC Thunder Two, all wonderfully stupid songs. I uh, love them to bits. And then when you get to Monsieur Mustache, Drama Queen, and Prism, listening to them, Prism is just fucking awful. It's a electroacoustic ballad. Just stay away from that. Um, but Monsieur Monsieur. Oh, sorry, Monsieur Moustache and Drama Queen, getting through them, it's like, these are okay. It's They sound very dated compared to a very modern sounding um, like Thunder Trio, um, for the starting trio, sorry, excuse me. And then finding out that they were re-recording, like, you can just so tell, even though they are, like, being slightly rewritten to be less problematic and they've got more, better production on them. And I, I think these must be, like, live dedicated fan favorites but you can tell the difference in creative process in those first three songs and into the last three songs to be re- the re-recordings um so i think if they can continue on the lines of high piper hate love and mc thunder 2 then at some point within the next like 12 18 months eskimo callboy are gonna have one of the most ridiculously good albums for a long time um but yeah, that is uh, Eskimo Corboy with 2020 or MMXX, whatever you want to say. Uh, EP number four is the self-titled EP from Salem. This is a side fling of Will Gould from Creeper, who may or may not be making an appearance later on. Um, it's more reminiscent of the Creeper catalogue before Sex, Death and the Infinite Void. It's a lot of pop punk, a lot of punk rock, all with like this big gothly fan point over the top, which we like loved for years about. Uh, creeper and at this point it sounds like bread and butter for gold uh, for will gold i was i was quite surprised when i was trying to play creeper to like friends of mine and they were always a bit like marmite on his vocals i really liked will i thought he had such a different i say different different from me um since i have realized that he is quite on par with a lot of like old um, goth pop and goth rock 
stuff from the 80s, vocalists like that. Um, also, Davey from AFI he grew a lot of comparisons to. But I just love how Will hits the sort of notes, the way he ebbs and flows, and how he can have like a big baritone voice at all times, even with like the slightly higher end, the big bombastic notes. Um, it's, again, not you, not completely unique, but such like an off-kilter for what you usually get from pop-punk kind of vocalists. And with the gang vocals as well, that's prevalent throughout the EP, there's a lot of fun to be had in this EP. Um, considering it's a side hustle, I'm hoping... It doesn't really feel like this is going to be what kills Creeper, because Creeper are doing momentously well, and I feel like they're having a great time doing that as well. I feel like Salem was more his, just... I don't have to think about it. It's just extra music. It doesn't really fit Creeper anymore, but I still want to do that sort of thing. So I think it just might be a little like side. Like, oh yeah, exactly what it is. It's a little side hustle. It just keeps the brain occupied. Still gets those like old school ideas going. Um, and yeah, I wouldn't be upset if we got an album of this. I think this was a great EP. And yeah, let's hope more to come. Uh, EP number three of the year. Another side hustle. Uh, the band is called Glorious. The EP is called Unashamed. It is the side hustle of Justine and Sammy, predominantly, uh, from Employed to Serve. It also features members of Renounce. I'm not too familiar with Renounce, so that's why I'm focusing on what I know. I'm very sorry. It's more of a straight-ahead hardcore sound compared to Employed to Serve, which is more like frenetic, chaotic, skull-splitting hardcore. Um, it reminds me a lot of Fear, Black Flag, and like Early Rise Against. It's still, although Employed to Serve is like a very cathartic kind of rage, and it is bastard heavy and bastard angry all the time. Um, although this this turn it is turned down, it is a bit more like an old school hardcore sound. It's not as aggressive on the ears. It's still aggressive thematically and lyrically. Some of the stuff that I've got written down. I know you're looking for a reaction. The truth is I can't be bothered to waste my time on someone like you because I'm unashamed. Your existence is prosthetic. I'll try again. Your existence is completely prosthetic. It's transparent. You're a tryhard. And put your words into action and cut all the shit. Just be a better person. Just do it. Just fucking do it. Which I think that last one, kind of indicative of this past year, people not really wanting to help their fellow man. It's me, myself, and I, and that final song, which is a typo-negative cover, um, which is, for some reason, completely escaped me. I don't want to be me. Very, it's 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 a vibe. It's such a vibe. Um, I don't want to be me. So, I feel like, again, with, similar to Salem, with Creeper, there's so much going on. There's so much, like, brain work, for lack of a better term, that goes into making all those different ideas and um, experiments work together. With Employed to Serve, as angry and as chaotic as I say Employed to Serve is, being able to keep those melodic hooks and those like spits in their head that you can sing along to, um, like in Force Fed, and there was another song which completely escaped my head. Um, ironic. I feel like having something that heavy yet that catchy is truly so difficult and to make it sound good as well. Whereas with Glorious, it just it feels more like just getting like a little bit of anger out, and it is a lot easier and simpler to make. It still sounds great, obviously, um, but instead of having to like figure out how to make this bastard heavy part sound well with this bastard heavy part to 
and then fit in this like melodically bastard heaven part in the middle. This is just, what if I just shouted over some guitars and everyone in the room was like, oh, thank fuck. Yeah, let's do it. So, yeah, plenty of good fun on that. It is Unashamed by Glorious, side project of Employed to Serve. Uh, EP number two, number one and number two, it got so hard because one's really daft, one's really not. I went with a daft one for number one, but I'll explain. Uh, well, I don't have a good reason why, but I'm just a shit person. Uh, number two is Wake of a Nation by Zeeland Arda. Zeeland Arda is, is, it's kind of difficult, it's still one of the most interesting projects of the last few years. If you're unaware with Zeeland Arda, it started off as a one-man project um, by a man called Manuel Gagno, who let 4chan decide what his next project should be. Hindsight, great idea. In the moment, I would have said don't do it because 4chan is a fucking woeful place and they gave him a woeful answer which he's turned into something fucking outrageous it is the combination of european black metal with the like field spiritual slaves used to sing uh working on fields and i had stranger fruit which was their second album as my album of the decade i fucking adore this project it is so good it's so different with a lot of new sounds that come through give it a few years and there tends to be a mountain of bands who are all trying to do the same thing as well no one has even tried to touch this kind of music combining uh modern european black metal with the old spiritual chanting of uh slave era american uk and pretty much everywhere with wake of a nation he sort of brought that into a more modern setting it's still combining black metal with a lot of for lack of a better term anti-black subjects so vigil is focusing a lot on black lives matter uh, cases situation i don't even know the best way to describe them but in the write-up i've seen for the song there's a lot of people talking about eric garner and george floyd for me, because of how like the lyrics pertain, uh, saying I like, um, it's a cell phone. Please don't shoot. I'm in need of. F it's a cell phone. Please don't shoot. I need to get home. I'm on my knees, begging. Please, things like that reminds me a lot of the Elijah McLean case. Who, just as a reminder, he was the young man who had some kind of. Uh, I believe it's a behavioural problem. He had something like Asperger's or ADD or something like that. It just made him a little bit different. Um, he used to... He was very into music. So he used to go to local, local cat, san cat sanctuaries where he used to volunteer. He used to like play the music just to sort of soothe them. He was a really like... From everything I've seen written about him, he was a really, really fun young man. Um, he eventually died because of pr uh, police brutality last uh, 2019 2018 something like that might have even be before that and the reports around his case say that he as he was like being pinned down and choked he was on the ground just saying like i'm a little bit different i'm really sorry i've got nothing on me i just want to stand up um i just want to go home i'm i don't want to hurt you i just kept he was apologizing to them because of how he might have been perceived and that whole lyric of 
I'm begging, please, I want to go home. It, yeah, it resonated me with me more the Elijah McLean case as opposed to um, Garner and Floyd. But with a song like that and the subject matter is touching, it's there's it's this sad realization or the sad happenstance that it's gonna it's not gonna be one case that it pertains to. Um, there's gonna be a lot of examples, which is a tragic shame, and you know more more needs to be done about it. Um, but moving on, it's I feel like an asshole. Uh, Tuskegee is all about a human medical experiment uh, that happened in the mid 1900s. I think it was between like early 1950s and mid 70s, something bizarre like that. And from what I remember, I remember reading about it a while ago. It's all about having black men and women either infected with syphilis and it was human experimental trials to see what worked and what didn't work in terms of curing it and you know back in those back in those days even worse than now black men and women were not really seen on level playing field and there are a lot of horror stories behind that and the fact they were using any human beings for a human for a medical trial which did not need or was not warranted for um, human medical testing at the time to use black men black men and women because they were deemed as disposable or whatever um it's it's another forgive the time it's another black mark on white history i guess um it's this is by far the heaviest song on the album sonically um, quite often, I think on every release so far, Manuel has at least one song which just goes balls to the walls. This is blackmail and it's going to fucking get you. Um, and this is a song for this particular release. And lastly, the title track it is a lot more slowed down. It's got this um, like clapping rhythm throughout the song. And I always find like as Manuel is singing, he sounds more, more like a supervillain, but like two sides of being a supervillain. You've got him in the verses as he's like speaking like one word at a time it's almost like a kind of camp bond villain it's like this uh medican carkins beckons don't fall it's that that the very like start start way he sings it's almost again very bond villain-esque um and then when it gets like the pre-chorus where you just like everything pretty much cuts off and it's just the king is dead and that warm of like industrial feedback, it sounds, it's so dark, looming. He sounds so evil. And then the shouts of, I think this is one where it's like something spoken in Latin and I probably should have written it down to try and say it, but I didn't because I suck. And yeah, title track on that, Wake Up a Nation is just a great EP. Zelanala continues to do just fucking wonderful things um i would love if 2021 had um anything another ep a full album whatever i just i i adore this band it is like i said it started off as um manuel as own it has opened up to have a full band now that's why among other reasons stranger fruit sounds so much bigger and so much broader than um devil is fine but oh i just 
Chef's Kiss to Zelenada and this very dark and looming EP. EP of the year. Like I said, I had one. I was bouncing between one super serious one and one super not. This is the super not. It is Douche by the Hell. The song Douche is one of the finest, finest, finest fucking dumbest songs of the year. Like, as a standalone, there's not much that tops it. Um, it is wickedly couchy. It's got so much. It's like tons of like a new metal bounce to it. It is basically pop music written by a hardcore band. It is catchy. It is simple. It is super daft. And that is what we describe most pop music now. Um, it's a fucking phenomenal song. And just for the fact of... It wasn't on Spotify for a while. So like hunting down every morning at the YouTube link. Or I don't think it was on Bandcamp. So yeah, just like constantly trying to find it on Facebook or youtube just to get it just to listen to it at the start of the day oh man that song is fucking great and then the rest of the ep it just it's a continuation of that it is the songwriting it is great the vocals on things like the chorus to best around the vocalist of the hell black mist is the mysterious one of the greatest uh front men in uk music right now tremendously underrated which may or may not come up later uh, Taste of Flavor gets a little bit dafter, but then douche and best around. And a little bit of jump the fuck up just like more than makes up for it. I think this is more on par with something like Brutopia, where they made sure to keep actual songs in and around the punchlines that they were trying to put into the songs. And I feel like that's what's failed a lot, or like faltered a lot of comedy metal or comedy rock bands. You think of like Steel Panther, Howdy Doodly. Psycho Stick, and I think even the hell suffered from it on Groove Hammer. There was so much focus on making these like dumb jokes, like ha, dickhead, tits, poop, aha, and then the music musicianship just sort of suffers as a result. Uh, on Brutopia, they fucking knocked it out of the park. On Douche, they've done it again. I think Douche way outseeds uh, Joris, uh, which was their album they released this year. There are a few bellows on Joris, but again, because they focus so much on having this like long-running joke throughout the entire album, a lot of the actual music has like suffered as a result. But Douche is next to flawless. It's a great little EP um, and tremendous amounts of fun. And yeah, fuck it, thirty minutes in. What have I been doing? Uh, <laughs> fuck. EPC of the year then, one last time. Ball with Ball 2. Kardashev with The Bearing of Shadows. Wicked Face brings Eternal with The Moment I Miss. Pale Dusk with Happy Talk. Pup, This Place Sucks Ass. Eskimo Cowboy 2020. Uh, Self-Titled by Salem. Unashamed by Glorious. Zelenada with Wake of a Nation. And number one is The Hell with Douche. Right then. Let's best get started on the top 20 albums of the year then. We are going to start... With number 20, as just makes fucking sense, and we will slowly work our way down to number 11. <clears throat> and then, yeah, that'll be it for this episode. And then next one that comes along will either be, I don't know, at the same time this gets released, or some point next week, or just whenever I fucking feel like it, basically. You'll get 10 <laughs> down to 1. Sorry, I've got hair on my face. Um, see you then. Number 20, it is the ninth album from one of Heavy Metal's Golden Childs. 
Um, it is Ohms by Deftones, the Sacramento-born um, alt-metal heroes. <clears throat> it's the follow-up to 2016's Gore. And I've been kind of off and on with Deftones. And that's not to say that I haven't enjoyed them or I don't think they're a very good band or anything like that. It's just the fact that on my to-do list for music, I haven't to done them yet. I was very into De uh, Diamond Eyes, which came out in 2010. I thought that was a great little album. And really, exp I, from what I've seen, everyone is saying like Diamond Eyes is one of like, the peak in Deftones' back catalogue. Just huge sounding alt metal, massive amounts of bounce, and obviously I've become very aware of the story surrounding it with Chi and Eros. Uh, and ever since then, I've sort of like taken bits and pieces from Corner Yokan and Gore, um, Swerve City from Corner Yokan stands out a lot. So does Prayers Triangles from Gore, and taking it from those two songs, like the bits and pieces I've heard of either of either album. Whereas Diamond Eyes was like a heavy, somewhat cathartic release from what was the situation at the time. Kono Yokan and Gore feel like they're pushing further and further into the world of like shoegaze and space rock and dream pop sort of stuff. Um, from what I've seen, that says more about the fact that Chino is leading a lot of songwriting these days as opposed to Stephen Carpenter, the guitarist. And so I was kind of expecting, when I like first heard that there was going to be another Deftones album, I thought it was going to go all the way into like that spacey sort of ambient kind of stuff. Um, probably not all the way to Crosses, but, you know, a Deftones version of Crosses, just because that was the way the band seemed to be going. Boy, was I fucking wrong. Uh, Ohms is, well, it feels like a much rawer, much heavier version of Alternative Metal, even beyond the realms of Diamond Eyes, and I think a lot of that comes down to Stephen Carpenter is now using a 9-string guitar. I don't know enough about the intricacies of guitars or guitar playing or anything like that to know how extra strings affect the overall sound i don't want to say range in terms of like going high to low but i don't know if it's the range the fact of like what you can and can't do or like more what you can do with nine strings as opposed to six or even seven or eight the tone is a completely different beast compared to what I've heard on previous Deftone releases. And like as soon as you get to like Genesis, which is the um album opener, you've got a 30 second like very ambient sort of opening and then it just explodes in with this like really doomy riff. Uh, and Chino's just like shrieking over the top of it and it's such like a powerful statement to start the album. Um, and even as Chino hits like the floaty notes on the bridge and on the chorus, there's so much weight and there's so much crunch to, song, to the song. Um, and I think a lot of it stems from Stephen's work on guitars. When you get to like, throughout the rest of the album, that even the spacey sort of stuff, like the spell of mathematics, ceremony, Pompeii, the power that comes in when the guitars explode in with the drums and bass, and the, basically the whole, the rest of the band come in as Chino sort of like floating along on his little bit. Um, it's more on the ballpark of like the heavier side of post-metal, and I was getting comparisons to like Genius or even Pelican. The riffs on this album are just absolutely fucking insane. That opening riff 
to Urantia, Urantia, track three. Uh, there's so much new metal worship on Era and Pompeii. There's a sick, I love the bass riff on Radiant City, like, and then the rest of the band come in, and but that bassy riff just continues throughout the entire song. I really, really like that. The, the riff and the tone, the tone especially in the title track, right at the end, it sounds so bright and so like crisp. It's kind of reminded me of like a new wave of British heavy metal band played at like quarter speed. I I'm just in love with that sound that he can get on that final album, up oh, the final album, that final song. Chino continues the sound, fucking god tier. Um, in both parts of the top twenty, I will talk about backing vocalists that carry like the rhythm section of songs so well in terms like a front man as a lead vocalist i don't think anyone commands the rhythm or the direction of a song quite like chino uh, at least there's not many you look at things like radiant city the spell of mathematics pompey the way he sort of guides it um allowing his voice to sort of like float along with the guitars or like crunch in when there's like a heavy part he is just as integral to the song, to a song's makeup as the instruments are. And at the end of the day, Ohms is just one of the best consistent, sorry, Deftones is just one of the consistent, best consistent, I'm just going to try that fucking whole sense again. Ohms is an album by one of the best and most consistent metal bands going. And the fact that the one of the best and most consistent metal bands going have released a good album it's just fucking, you know, go figure. Of course they are going to do it. It was going to sound so much cooler in my head, I promise, but I'm fucking dumb. Um, but that is album number 20 of 2020. It is by Death Tones, the ninth studio album from the long-term new metal, alt, me- alt metal, shoegaze, whatever, um, legends. On to number 19 now, and a band that, even though they only have two, al- two albums in, I have a lot more personal connection to them. It is the second album by Milk Teeth. It is uh, self-titled. They're from Shrewd. Or Stroud. Stroud. Fucking even Taylor Norton I could get that right. And Milk Teeth were a grungy punk outfit. I say were because to pour some out for once, homies, lads. Uh, Becky announced the split of Milk Teeth back in September. I think it was. Um, which... Came as a shock, but thinking about the last few years, I can't say I'm all that surprised. It has been a torrid time for the band and especially Becky. And I'm, oh god, I'm gutted to see them go. I fucking love Milk Teeth. I'm such a huge fan. I got Vile Child. It was so Vile Child came out what 2016, and I remember listening to it must have been the that's not metal podcast at the time and the host on there who's now on the riot act podcast Stephen hill uh he was reviewing it and he said just for anyone who's unsure don't bother finding a stream don't bother finding like a youtube link just go out and buy the album it will be a worthwhile investment so me being me a fucking nerdy podcast worshiping loser at the time i did that i went on their store and i ordered it and it it didn't hit quite as well as I was expecting on the first listen. It's it took me a while to get around it. It's a lot more rawer. When like listen to review describing it as like 
grunge mixed with punk rock. You know, I love me, I love me some punk rock, and I thought with that grunge element, it was just going to be, um, just a little bit darker sounding, a little bit raw sounding. I wasn't quite expecting it to be as raw as it was. It was a lot more like it, the production was a little was a lot lower. Uh, what? Fuck off. Uh, yeah, I think it was all yeah, hopeless records. I feel like I recognize that. Oh well. The production was just down in general. Um, outside of just like the little bit, the finer edges. That w- didn't really feel like there's a lot gone into production. That both vocalists, I can't remember who the male vocalist was at the time. But taking more of a lead role, he sounded super raw. Um, almost to, like you worry for his throat. Becky was a little bit more reserved. It sounded a lot more reserved at the time. And kind of took more of a backseat as opposed to them sharing frontmanship um so yeah it was a lot different to what i was expecting but once you once i got my head around it, it ended up being a fucking great album i think i really I, I reviewed it for um open mic releases open mic reviews ages ago um songs like brickwork kabuki brain food ended up becoming like must listen to on the regular for me um and they followed that up in 2018 with Be Nice and Go Away. They book about 2018? I can't be able to check it. Um, Be Nice, Go Away, two very, very pop-punk EPs. Um, some of the best pop-punk tracks you'll hear this side of 2007. I completely blown away. This was so much brighter, so much more... Um, like, warmer sounding, as daft as that sounds... Every like last little bit of the EPs just fucking spoke to me or like resonated with me in such a great way. It was the hooks, it was the massive choruses, um, it was the most warped tour that Milk Tea sounded. It was the most warped tour that mo- damn near anything British has sounded, but like the good end of warped tour, not that the shitty like electro pop 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 rock stuff. This was. As the evening's drawn in, it's still a little bit of sun and you're just like a little bit tipsy and you just want to have a good time. Those EPs were just a good time. Um, I was even loving it down to like Becky's voice where she'd become way more confident as a vocalist. She obviously did take full leads. A fucking alert just gone off in my head, but thank you, computer. I'm going to turn you right down. Um, Where was I? Becky's voice, yeah. She becomes such more prominent fixture of the band. And even that, like how she projected her voice and how she handled the lows and handled the highs, I thought the entire ensemble pieces for those two EPs were just incredible. You got songs like Lillian, Owning Your Okayness, which I remember being like the song of the summer the year it came out, Fight Skirt, Nearby Catfight. I fucking love those EPs. And... I've seen Milk Teeth twice as well, which I know doesn't sound like a lot in the grand scheme of things, but when you have mild anxiety like I do, uh, concerts, kind of intimidating. So going to see them, they supported Skin Dread, and then I think two years later, or one year later, they supported Ed Shikari. Um, it was during the Skin Dread show where it kind of felt like something wasn't right. None of them, apart from the drummer at the time, who 
uh, I want to say Chris, but I'm not sure that's right. Um, the drummer at the time, he was a fucking lunatic. He was lovely. But the rest of the band, there wasn't quite as much energy in them as I had seen in like videos or heard on record, that sort of thing, or even had they had the reputation for. Um, so I remember thinking at the time, like, uh, okay, I guess this was kind of fun, but there wasn't, there was something not quite right. And I think within like a week or two later, it came out that Milk Teeth were cancelling all live dates at the time because they all needed to sort out their mental health issues. I was like, well, I feel like a dick. But coming back to support Skin Dread, it was a much, much better... uh, I don't want to say much better performance because it's unfair, but it was more inclined to what I was like, how it it was going to go in my head, which still makes me sound like an asshole because of what was going on behind the scenes during the Skin Dread show, but... Seeing them at their best now that especially now that they've split up, it is it's a personal victory. We all we all need them every now and again. As for the actual album itself, because I've been rambling on enough, uh self-titled does strip back a lot of the pop punkness and returns back to the grungy style of Vile Child, but with a much better production. Um it does in turn make the album feel a lot darker again. And even just like the depth of their sound sounds pulled back because they've gone, they've had a multitude of lineup changes and they've gone down to just having one guitarist instead of two. That one guitarist being M. Foster, also of Nervous Fames. Um, and it was kind of odd to get used to it to begin. Like the lead single from the album was Given Up, which has a more string played riff as opposed to like a chord, power chord progressions like down, 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 which when you've got the rhythm guitarist, that rhythm guitar in the back to sort of like add depth to the sound, that sort of thing is fine. But when it was just M and then you had like the bass and drums in the background, there was no, there was no gap or there was a massive gap in the middle. It did feel kind of empty at the time. I thought having given up, like looking back now, having given up as a lead singer was very, very brave. I think, like they had the, the standalone song in the middle, "Stain," and that was a great song. If that had been the lead single going into the self-titled, and "Stain" would have been on the album, I think it wouldn't have even been something to mention. But on "Given Up," having that very stripped-back sound as a lead singer was very okay. We'll have to see how it goes. Um, but it ended up becoming a thing where having that like very reduced sound benefit the band in so many ways, especially with M providing uh, backups on Medicine, for example. It's a wonderfully somber song. And M, I think, does better work as a backing vocalist, giving rhythm and giving backing to songs than any rhythm guitarist could ever do in, 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 in Medicine's situation, in... Um, so many other songs situation where like the way she fills the gaps she backs up Becky she like has like a back and forth she overlaps making up the fact they've only got one guitarist now while still still also being a great guitarist in her own right I think yeah there is an argument that I heard well I heard an argument that is for M to be the noted as like one of the best backing vocalists going and i think she's got an argument personally there is one other which will come up later that i think tops her but 
M on this is does a great job of just making the album sound bigger than some of its parts. Um, mentioned medicine, it like keeps like a DIY feel, and I think the grandiosity of being on because those two EPs that I mentioned were on Roadrunner. This one was uh, so the self titled is on Music for Nations, which is a, a subsidiary of Sony, I believe, but it's a much more like reduced version. I think it's just not got this, quite the same pressures as like being on something like Roadrunner have by the, by the looks and sounds of it. M backing up. I've already mentioned medicine. The screams on the back of Destroyer. The overlaps on songs like Transparent and Dilute. There's like rancid esque woos on Sharks, which just like got me a little bit giddy. She just does a great job, and again, just to make the album sound a lot bigger, lot bigger than what it should sound like on paper. I think for like the album in general. If Becky decided that she wanted to, like, I don't know, collapse Milk Teeth in 2019 and release as a solo or have this as, like, a solo uh, project on the side, I think she'd been well within her right because lyrically, it feels like it's a venting therapy session. It feels like everything that Becky's had to go through in the years prior it's just getting it all off her chest. Um, some of the lyrics that I've like made a note of. We'd burn in hell if we swore on an oath. You told me that... You told me you thought that it was funny. I told you the lies made me feel ugly. But I deserve better. You can't be better. So don't try to tell me that you know how I feel. And don't try to comprehend all the words sent to destroy my head. Don't try and bottle up. Keep my words sealed. Expect me to dilute some easier to swallow. Things like that, like the the mental, uh, what's the word? Tribulations? Is that the word? Trials. Oh, good, just go to trials. The me- the mental health trials she's had to uh, jump through over the past few years is just insane by the sounds of it. No pun intended. Um, I'm not expecting you to take the news at ease because I've lost years dragging around. Yeah, I'm going to try again. I'm not expecting you to take the news at ease because I've lost years to dragging around the ball and chain of all your insecurities. Just getting rid of metaphorical and physical dead weight, getting over like the problems she was facing um, as herself, and even down to like delivery of the lyrics and like those lyrics in particular, and throughout the entire album. The, gr- the grungier theme of the album, I think, fits her range a lot better because she has got that like low-end rasp to her voice. Um, and that rasp comes in really, really well on songs like Transparent and Better. Just gives those songs a little bit more of a lasting impression. Uh, she could still sound subdued and very quiet while still maintaining a note. That I find that a lot of artists, when they try and do like the low, really, really quiet, borderline ASMR stuff, you get that little... That little crinkle in the back of your throat whereas like you look at medicine or smoke she's hitting those like low quieter notes but she's still she doesn't warble she doesn't christina aguilera it she is she absolutely nails it and just like the inner west country bumpkin in me her pronunciation of circles just just warms my heart that's 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 just it 
the song is great on its own, but just how she says circles just uh, rem- reminds me of the homeland. I just kept, like, I felt like there was more to come from Milk Tea. As great as this album is, now that it's, it felt like and it looked like Becky had got. I know she had a very good relationship with the drummer who. I'm so angry, I can't remember his name. Um, and I feel like she had a good relationship with one of the guitarists. Basically, the fact that she had like a group behind her that was a lot more supportive of her, not only as a person, but as a woman, and giving her the confidence. And she had a much better network in and outside the band. I felt that now that she had the confidence, Becky with Milk Teeth could go on to have like such, like produce such great music. Um, and it is a massive shame to see the band go. Of course, it is very selfish. If it's a case of they just couldn't do it anymore because of um, those mental health problems creeping back in, obviously, you do you or them do them. And I've seen Instagram snippets that Becky is still writing music or still contributing musically in some way. And hopefully that will turn into something. I think Becky still has a lot to give as a musician. Obviously, Jack and M both in uh, Nervous. And Jack is also in... Like, I know um, M is in like loads of various projects. Jack is also in Gold Key. But I feel like it's... it's Again, it's a crying shame that Mooktiv are gone. I think that they were on to do something brilliant even with being like a three-piece and having m back them the grungier haze uh, works with them so well but life huh um it is the self-titled album by milk teeth it was their second and for now final album and yeah it might it it might be them gone forever so why not listen to it I remember how fucking good they were. Or just listen to it and realize how fucking good they are. Because, oh man, I really, really liked Milk Teeth. Alrighty then. On to album 18. My throat is already beginning to get sore. Album 18 then. It is the debut solo album by Hayley Williams. The album is called Petals for Armor. Uh, She has gone in a much more... I don't even know. Like, it's part indie it's part pop it's dark pop it's experimental it's synthy it's floaty it's there's so much going on here holy fuck it's like a very very commercial pop version of the greg Pusciato album in terms of how many different things are happening at once um i must admit there was a certain level of trepidation going into this album uh, just a general idea of an emo artist or an emo um, lead singer growing up and discovering music outside the realms of pop punk and emo and having to go for it themselves. It doesn't always go well. Uh, Patrick Stump famously gave it a shot. No one liked it. Any for a temper tantrum. Gerard Way, he had a solo album and I don't know anyone who's ever spoken about it ever. Uh, Green Day, uh, Billy Joe, he thinks he is the 50s and 60s pop stars that he covers. 
and he's not. Um, Brennan Yuri kind of got it right on Panic at the Disco, so there was some hope that it was going to turn into something successful in Petals for Armor. Um, and like Paramore had already started going outside the realms of emo on latter day releases anyway. Think of the self tiled and especially After Laughter. <laughs> Excuse me. After Laughter. After Laughter having like new wave and since pop going in so it wasn't going to be like a completely fresh take of Haley williams vocals on something that isn't pop pop punk um but yeah just a little bit of trepidation going in up until simmer came out which was the lead song or lead single and it was hella fucking interesting it was again everything i said about the album before it was experimental it was indie there was loads of floaty parts um, I felt like a full range of Haley's vocals were on display. She was hitting like big notes. She's hitting like very subtle somber notes. The vote, the chorus itself, which is something really, really interesting, and it really piqued my interest just on that one song. Um, and then the EP came, Pedals for Armor One. And I think in general it had like a much more dark experimental indie side. Simba still sounded great. Uh, Leave It Alone I thought was quite minimalist in comparison. But I thought the execution of it was really, really good. Cinnamon is an absolute belter. And yeah, I thought I had like a really good promise of something turning into something really, really good. She released Pedals for Armor 2, which I completely ignored because I wanted to have the full album. I wanted to have it that experience all then. And then listening to it and like, you, I don't know about everyone else, but like with albums, especially new albums, you sort of like put it on on headphones and you go about your day, you go to the shops or you go into work or whatever. And it got to the point where I was just having this album float over me because it's, it just so many things going on and so many different ideas that just kept going over me and going over me. I was like, oh, maybe, maybe I'm just, the, the fact that nothing's catching with me. Um, maybe it's not as good as I was hoping it to be. There's obviously this, the first third of the album I recognise because it's basically the first EP. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe it's not for me after all. And then I just found myself on more than one occasion singing along, like singing in my head or singing out loud to bits of the album, bits of the album that I just didn't know where it's coming from. So listen to the album again and finding out, oh, that's where that bit came from. Well, that that's where that bit came from. Um, I, all the earworm stuff that had just gone in without me even noticing, without me even noticing, I'd like, okay, I'm not that bright, but damn, like, Over Yet is such an upbeat, cheery belter of a song, uh, Sugar on the Rim has this, like, sultry 80s synth pop vibe to it, uh, Crystal Clear is a wonderfully romantic sounding song, without a doubt though, for me, uh, Dead Horse is the absolute queen of this album. It is a brutally honest song. Um, well, brutally honest opening of that spoken rack. So Alf saying that she was in a depression and she just got out of it. That's why it took so long for the song to get to him, or get to their producers, I assume. Um, and the lyrical content about the song itself have all of all surrounding fucking hell her tumultuous marriage with. Uh, it doesn't matter with who. Um, just a tumultuous, uh, 
marriage in general, all juxtaposed with this shimmery, fucking hugely catchly little indie pop anthem. That synth, that synth bass line is the perfect evolution of the like steel drum line from Hard Times as well, from After Laughter. It's an oh, it's just an absolute banger of a track. I love Dead Horse. It's such a fun song. Um, it's so jaunty, it's so uplifting, whilst also being so depressing as fuck. Um, it's a slow burner of an album. Absolutely, like I said, I almost just didn't notice it was happening. Um, it's such a myriad of ideas and experiments, but it's just ah, oh, it's so great. Like some of the songs have like a touch of the avant-garde to them because there's so much things going on, but it's definitely worth the time. It is a fun, poppy, upbeat belter. It is Hayley Williams with her debut uh, solo album, Petals for Armor. Cool. On to album 17. I did not grab a drink. Oops. Um, yeah, album 17 then is the third album from the Bristol crust punk post metal hardcore black metal whatever um yeah they and blah, 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 blah. oh fucked it again album's called when i die will i get better the artiste is of course svalbard there is a beautiful niche in alternative music that i fucking love and that's when you get massive swells um be that in synth or in orchestra or just in like huge sounding melodies um just counteracted by some absolute crushingly brutal heaviness um i just fucking adore it to pieces um i always felt like that was why i really enjoyed post black metal when that started to become such a huge part of alternative music culture but i always found with that, the problem with post-black metal is in the moment, as you're listening to post-black metal, it's great because you've got that like wave of um, like the echo tremolo picking or even like a synth line or a orchestra, just something to like that huge veering wall of sound with the like clattering of the rest of the instruments. But it's not always catchy i think that's why sunbather do like sunbather excel in the way that they do not sunbather fucking hell death heaven fucking idiot death heaven excel in the way that they do because they have got those hooks to get you in um there was a post black album lash no 2019 called by som the old devouring that had the same mole a guilty for a oathbreaker a guilty for it there's what reason why bands like that do so well Let's point some because they're still very under the radar. It's because they are, they have this black metal, po sorry, post black metal delivery, but still have bits where you can like catch on to. And with the previous Svalbard album, that Svalbard album, it's hard to have hope. I kind of suffered for that for a while. It was in the moment, it was great, but then turning the album off, like, I can't, I don't know what I remember from it anymore. With so, as much as everyone was hyping up Svalbard and saying like this is going to be one the, the the hot shit, I was like, oh, it's a bit... is it though? And I was kind of like nervous because everything about Svalbard artistically is incredible. The sound in the moment, the artwork, it's all so beautiful. And then 
when the album starts and it goes straight into open wound, it's like, oh my fucking god, yes, yes, that this is exactly what I need from modern alternative music or modern alternative heavy music. Serena's vocals over that chaotic arrangement, that drum hook, just to get you in. Oh my gosh, it sounds so stunning at the start, and then it all just comes crashing in, and it is it's like high pitched tremolo. Um, drums going fucking ludicrous in the back and it's just chef's kiss a, a great way to start the album um, you know you go further on to the album I love Silent Restraint because of Liam's input into the album or into the song I like the trade off between him and Serena I think I don't know what it is about his voice but I think it just works really well in that um, context there's loads of like classic heavy metal licks in Throw Your Heart Away as well. I just, musically, again, in the moment, it's so stunning. And what sets it apart and what sets Svalbard apart is there are bits of the album where you'll get along and you'll hear a familiar bit and you're like, yes, yes, this is why, this is why. Um, it's lyrically very heavy as well. Svalbard always have been. Um, they're a strong feminist outfit. Clickbait is a furious attack on modern journalism. What was she wearing? I think pretty much speaks for itself. The currency of beauty, all about how uh, it's from the perspective of Serena, like how she is judged more or less as a woman based on how much flesh she shows. It's such a um, important subject for like modern times. And there's also a bunch of songs in there that covers depression, mental health, relationships. Um, I did make another drummer. Cool. Uh, Mark, sorry. I'm rereading my own notes. Uh, Mark Lilly's drums throughout the album are such an underrated focal point. I mentioned in um, Open Wound how much he fucking goes off. It's, I think a lot of what like brings me into his particular drumming style is that there's loads of offbeat drum rhythms, which I know are not like a new thing in uh, drums, in drumming. Yeah, sure. Um, but when it is uh, the searing parts, or even just like the echo, like very almost simple riffs, the offbeat rhythms from the drums, it just maintains that chaotic nature in the album's presentation. And yeah, it's just he makes it sound way more in depth than any right to be. It's as dumb as it sounds. It's not an album that I've revisited a lot. Not because I don't think it's very good. Cause obviously why would it be here, but it's just such an intense part. And it's one of those, it's an album where it feels like it should be played as an album. Open Wound, you can listen to on your own. I feel like Silent Restraint, I do listen to on its own as well. But everything else, it just feels better as a complete piece of music. It's only 38 minutes long. Um, and I mentioned before, it's hard to have hope. I've gone back on it, it's hard to have hope since. And I think it has a similar sort of thing where it's very hard to listen to as individual songs. Um, it's best to have it as an album. I think When I Die, Will I Get Better is a lot more palatable than It's Hard to Have Hope. So... I would definitely recommend When I Die Will I Get Better and then if you, well, when you realise it's a fantastic album and you want it to like punch you in the face just a little bit more, seek out It's Hard to Have Hope because they're both brilliant albums. Svalbard are a wonderful outfit 
and they are number 17 album of the year right then we're gonna move on to about a quick water break so i'm good for another couple of entries moving on to entry number 16 then it is clipping with visions of bodies being burned it's their fourth album from the la based horrorcore uh, trio and last year they were a surprise sensation for me and i think a lot of alternative music fans um there is this an addiction to blood where did it, it, with definitely a top five finish um it, i remember just being completely blown away by there is this an addiction to blood um I remember at the time comparing it to like a horror movie. There's so many. It was a very dark, seeded version of hip hop that I'd never really experienced before. Um, as it was sort of like a hip hop equivalent to Code Orange in the way like it brought in so many different ideas and perspectives, and like industrial being a key part of it, and just making it sound musically very evil. Um, and David at the front just sounding just as evil and almost not not of this world and from that album they never really stopped they had uh an ep called the deep that got released tail end of last year uh they released chapter 319 in response to the reemergence of the blm calls in oh fuck what was that may april christ this 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 uh 2020 this new year new me um so yeah they haven't they'd never really stopped and then it got announced that there's new album was coming in and it had very very similar artwork too there is this an addiction to blood and based on that i kind of just assumed i think what a lot of people did actually just assume it's going to be some kind of like b-sides comp or what didn't make it to visions or something like that oh sorry um what didn't make it to there existed and if it if this was the b-sides then fuck from what i've seen they were they had written a lot of um material anyways it's hard it's a fine line between this was all the stuff it was less we chose this as opposed to we didn't choose this i think as daft that sound there is like a weird kind of in between it is visions is definitely the most horror themed media of the year it is a, the closest i think we'll get to a horror musical in released music that outside of a theater it is just the most evil the most sadistic sounding thing i could possibly think of um the noise the experiments all the industrial parts are all so much more prominent now compared to there is an addiction to blood the slow collision to no sorry i'll try again the slow collusion of noise in the climax of say the name where it's just like the almost like metallic clang like a percussion of playing um the very distorted like synth lick that's play that's gets sampled over and over that like almost white noise static that just keeps building and building and building and then i think it just like ends on this like solitary note and it's fucking horrifying 
and the feedback effect on make them dare that fascinating glitch effect on body for the pile it's got um that particular song's got a guest appearance from a another rapper called sickness and just the way he does body for the pile body for the pile it almost sounds like he is again thinking this is some kind of game or some kind of joke and he does sound like a horror movie, horror movie villain as he sings it. Um, and I've even got in my notes, chorus feels like a serial killer in the move in the movie when he smiles or tries to act all innocent. There's so many little samples and hooks that feel ripped out of a John Carpenter movie, like the creaks and the plucks in Shibad. Uh, most of the synth effects and the rhythms in Check the Lock as well. The way. David will go out of the witchboard interlude and use that slamming of a door and turn that into the main sample riff in 96, 96 Neve Campbell. <clears throat> and over the top of it all the way, David, his delivery, he is always so calm. He is always he's borderline monotone in how he sings and how he raps. Um what was the song that I was I think it was in 96 Neve Campbell where he's got this like very well, it happens a lot it happens more than one song what we're talking about there's multiple occasions where he's obviously doing his like pseudo singing part and then he goes into like a very fast paced rapping thing and he can still maintain he doesn't he never ever gets like too energetic he never let it get boring he can just maintain this like level of sturdiness throughout his lyrics and throughout his vocals and that at times is one of the most horrifying parts of the album the fact he can still say that it is like um a mike myers sort of thing like that constant slow pace and he's just always coming he's always binding in on you and yeah i think david is like the lyrical equivalent of doing that by far this is more 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 work i guess it's harder to get into than there is an addiction to blood in comparison um addiction is just so much easier it's just so it's borderline commercial in comparison visions of bodies being burned it's just such an aggressive angry album while still being very in keeping with the clipping sound now it is just a glorious mess and it's wonderful um it is the fourth album by clipping is number 16 album of the year and yeah if you if you're into your horror stuff uh, there's no movie that will top this they're absolutely not cool N number 15 and halfway through for this episode what are we on iron 18 oh we're gonna we're, yeah yeah it's all right we're, we're having a good time <coughs> My throat is already killing me, though. Uh, i got to do another one of these yet. Fuck. My number 15, then, is by the band Sharptooth and their album Transitional Forms. It's the second album from the Baltimore, uh, Baltimore Maryland-based hardcore punk outfit. And it's an album with insane amounts of personality. Um, it's hardcore with some brilliantly snide lyrics, very in your uh, yeah very in your face whilst being right what's the word i'm looking for very blunt that's the word i'm looking for uh take a track like hirudinia hirudinia 
I'm going to keep it here, didn't you? That sounds cooler. Um, you're always silent when there's work to be done. You're, you're not a feminist just because you fucked one. I fucking love that lyric. It's so great. Um, with all this stuff like the Me Too, speaking out, just in general, realizing that, hey, we should probably support women because they're pretty neat. Um, all these stories coming out and then having a, a lyric like that. Oh, it was, it's so good. It's so brilliant. Um turning a nursery rhyme sort of thing into a chorus or a mosh call in meme brain that nobody likes was it nobody likes me everyone hates me guess i'll go eat worms <laughs> yeah all of that big big fan uh like the, the fucking spoken word spoken word mosh call in saying nothing in the absence of content now this is the part of the song where we where we slow shit way down for you so you can all kill each other. It doesn't even matter what I'm saying here anyway. Can you even understand the fucking word I say? It's the whole song is just one big middle finger, but that that is the second middle finger. It's so just fucking. It's great because it it is like a very uh, brutally honest like commentary on. I guess like alternative concert culture um the music video for it is fucking ah oh, it's just the greatest thing it's a parody of so many pop videos as well if nothing else go find that music video because it's just outstanding um but at the end of the day sharp tooth can be they can turn the series on as well songs like mpdb and nevertheless they're just huge angry uh feminist rages they like finish off the album the music itself very riff centric hardcore um the guitar work on the album reminds me a lot of um every time i die and converge it's very it's all over the place while still being very reserved in that way that every time i die and converge can manage more so every time i die it has got that slight southern twang to it i guess i don't even know i don't know another way to describe it it does peek outside those parameters of hardcore a fair amount like life's on the razor's edge is a bit more of a slower grungier sort of thing uh the gray is like the total polar opposite it verges more on classic melodic hardcore uh one one five three it's a great song it is the it's very very every time i die esque. it's the hardcore with a bit of like classic punk or hard rock mixed in there as well um almost southern rock the southern hardcore sort of romper it's a fucking great song is 153 uh the production makes it all sound so crisp and so fucking great um get again gets rid of those like dirty edges it makes every, the guitars sound on point uh, I did not write down the vocalist's name. I, that's why I keep saying the guitarist, the vocalist. Yeah, yeah. The fucking vocalist sounds insane. I just keep saying it all sounds insane. It's, every now and again, it just becomes very hard to listen to music without just saying it's just really, really fucking good. Um, and the amount, uh, it, the one thing that hurts me the most about listening to this album is the fact that there is so much in here, so much written with the context of a live crowd in mind um the mosh calls um you're not a feminist just because you fucked one can you even understand the fucking word i said i say no uh, like the stomp of no um 
nobody likes me, everyone hates me. The fact that they have, like, well, large doubt they've been able to actually execute any of this in front of a live crowd now is just heartbreaking. So, when they finally get crowds in front of this this album, oh my god, they're gonna fucking die, aren't they? But they're gonna die really, really happy. It is the second album from Baltimore, Maryland, hardcore punk mob and absolute fucking savages. Sharp Tooth. The album's called Transitional Forms. Uh, go listen to it if you like being called a cunt whilst having a great time, but not in the in the hell sort of way. Cool. Moving on then to number 14. I just need to set things up here and there. Yeah. So, ow. I need more screens. Apparently two just isn't enough. Okay. Album number 14 then for top 20 albums of the year. It goes to the debut album by Dragged Under, a Seattle, Washington based melodic hardcore outfit. Their album is called The World Is In Your Way. Uh, featuring former members of Rest Repose, who I know nothing about, apart from the fact that uh, Jared Long used to be in there. <coughs> so if he's credible to you, maybe seek that out. I don't know why I included it. I just felt like it's worth noteworthy thing. Uh, I think The World Is In Your Way was one of the first albums I listened to in 2020. Um, the song Hypochondria popped up in some kind of playlist that I had or um, like new music for you sort of thing. And it came on and I was, it was a fucking great song. Um, it was solid guitar work, loads of like really, really strong cleans, really, really good um, harsh vocals as well. Frontman Anthony Capocci? Capucci. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry if I butchered that, mate. Um, he does a fucking great job doing both ends of the spectrum. It doesn't get, like, doe-eyed, sappy in choruses, which I know a lot of, like, melodic hardcore does suffer from. Looking at you here, four years strong, with your Brain Pain album, whatever else called. Um, it never broached levels of cringe musically, either. There's some great melodies. I fucking loved Hypochondria as a song. It was absolutely wonderful. Um, so I kept it on the radar into the new year and I still had a slight sense of trepidation because pop punk in like, the modern age doesn't always do well. It's not the most fashionable thing anymore. If it does pop up, it's usually blended with something else. Um, so having something that's melodic hardcore, pop punk, whatever you want to call it in 2020, yeah, a bit on the nose, but we'll see what happens. And it turned out to be an absolute fucking surprise hit. I cannot get over how much I enjoyed. Like the it, the choruses had everything I want and crave in music like this. A huge, they can just like flatten buildings. Like usually for these sort of things, you go for like Ask Alexandria on um, from Death to Destiny. Uh, Apparently now, Eskimo Cowboy, Creeper, Spanish Love Songs. Like, songs that have, like, massive upbeat choruses. Like, back in the day, it would be, like, Michael McCormick as well, Panic at the Disco, um, Green Day. They're massive sing-along. There's, lo there's hooks for days. It's just infectious pop punk. And it it's, 
like again warped tone music but like the very the such good end of it and it wasn't the fact they had like the big choruses they were having like songs full of moments like this and in turn an album full of songs full of big choruses full of just fucking wonder um even down to like the intro to the real the real you it was a very slow um like drum led intro every time i listen to it i keep thinking it should be on a tony hawk's pro scare soundtrack that the riffs in here the licks um it reminds me there's a lot of a day to remember in here i found at times where it gets like super in your face it is like the lighter end of cancer pass as well where they're going tooth and hammer the production i think is the the mvp for everything because trying to get that like avoid well, trying to avoid that like doe-eyed pop rock sound in pop punk these days is so apparently so hard um is it joe feldman at the moment who is the producer who keeps turning everything into like baby mush um this does not suffer from that at all the production makes everything sounds brilliantly heavy yet tons of melody and like again just that warmness that pop punk should be giving you like even down to like the really really cheesy stuff like the woes in the album they're fucking dumb but oh you, you gotta love a good woe in a, in a song um the call and response it's got brilliant backing vocalists for the rest of the band the call and response is going to do so well when they uh, well they did actually man because it came out in january they were able to put this into a live crowd so call and response must do well in a live setting the breakdowns like covered in sin um with that fluctuating woo throughout the end like that's ah it's it on paper it should it should be shit but drag dunder have done such a great job in making it sound like absolute belter song after song after song chelsea is just a oh my god chelsea is a great song it's so fucking good just even like the pre-chorus guitar, like hey Chelsea, and then again woes if throughout the chorus, it's fucking great. Chelsea is such a good song. So is Hypochondria. Um, Instability is great as well. The Real You is great. It's a fucking wondrous album. Um, that warmness that pop punk should be giving you, or melodic hardcore, whatever, whatever side you want, but whatever side of the fence you want to put this on. Um, in the world of like the very punkier end of Warped Tour, why, why, why can't bands strive to sound more like this? Stop trying to sound like Blink-182. Stop trying to sound like All Time Low. Sound like this. Sound good. Come on. Do it. Album number 14 is The World Is In Your Way by Dragged Under. Melodic Hardcore from the very depths of seattle washington and it's it's bloody brilliant and i feel like that's gonna be a recurring theme but this point onwards it's just gonna be man isn't music great is aren't things just the best and i don't know how well it's gonna turn out for a review but that's my show i do what i want are we then <clears throat> moving on then to lucky number 13 uh that's quite appropriate actually it is the second album from a German hardcore outfit called Giver. The album's called Sculptor of Violence. Um, sorry, Sculpture of Violence. And there is just 
one song in particular which i will get to but by goodness me uh it's very emotional hardcore it touches on bits of thrash as well um new york hardcore a bit of black and hardcore in there as well so it is a very very dark foreboding uh final project final product excuse me and what i said before about there are some albums which are just you describe as very very good and you've just got to sell on that oh my god trying to figure out what was like the really really exceptionally good parts about this album was very hard because it's just so fucking good i just it was one of those albums where i just got put my hands and said sorry it's just it's yeah i can't i'm not smart enough to be able to pick out the finer details it's just brilliant uh vocalist robert anderson is so emotive in his delivery but it's not in a way where it's like touche amore or la dispute um it sound it's still in key for the so, for this type of sound the band's going for um he never sounds like he's about warble or anything like that uh the dips and how the energy just explodes back in on song is fantastic um excuse me sorry i just had some sweets and they're fighting back like in every in every age as it's dragon it's just that and it's just the guitars. I'm sorry, just the drums of the, and then everything else kicks back in. It's fucking great. The guitars themselves do sound like they're prepped for anything, like metallic hardcore, black and hardcore, shoegaze. But they all sound like they're tuned in for that all at once. Um, and they will often pull back slightly to allow more depth to the song, which allows like uh, their drummer Tico and their bassist Chris to come through. They'll keep the pace and energy. So as the guitarists are like, it's not even not tremolo. That's the other. That's the other, like the opposite tremolo. Just like very like slow, quite methodical, like mid even like mid pace sort of guitar work. And then you've got drum and bass going, like still full force to keep the energy of the album going, to keep the energy of the song going. Um, the way everyone works together to keep the band sound going is uh just a joy to listen to songs like these words of rain or even the title track they step closer to like latter day gallows on self-titled desolation sounds um and then you get a song like new gods which jumps out and almost feels like it's a converge or that tribute to converge <coughs> excuse me lyrically as well it hits just as hard and it hits kind of close to home as well because it, it attacks consumerism it can ta- it attacks political opposition and climate change but there's a lyric that really stuck out to me um what's one to do about her living hell i sigh put on a gilded shirt and l no prosperity no prosperity is innocent all wealth has blood on its hands those in the shadows you do not see the bright life thievery I think that's such a fucking great line. It stuck out to me. Like the whole, the guild and Sharon L that is, you know, how many, how many of us have a band shirt that's been made or like printed on Gildan and you think, wow, this is like, you're supporting a band, but then behind that, you're like the amount of work in consumer shops and consumers factories in order for you to get that. It is, it's just a double-ended sword of you're doing one thing for you're doing a good thing for one person and a bad thing for another. And it's just it is 
a winless world. Um, but I thought like the way that that verse is sculpted and the language they use is fucking brilliant. The song "Every Age Has Its Dragons" is just a oh my god from start to finish, an absolute thunder bastard of a song. It's so great. I love this song. I fucking adore the song. From the discordant intro riff, the like emotional like it opens lyrically with she said i can't take this no more um and th- that that sets the president if nothing else um the builds and dips like i said in the pre-chorus that call of response for gang vocals in uh the chorus itself like each like an empire breath like an empire just the, the back and forth i've done it it's such a disservice now i'm so sorry um it sounds way better than that i promise our fucking every song every age has its dragons like an empire it's just oh it's fantastic it's such a good song i love it to bits um it's all massively sounded hardcore like i said it's so hard to kind of comment on the intricacies of it because it all sounds so brilliant um it is number 13 on albums of the year it is sculpture of violence the second album from german hardcore mob giver and yeah well we're checking out for every age on its own uh, on to number 12 then. Another album I got to review for Evan Metal. I think the, the first big album I was allowed to review. It is the fifth album from the Glaswegian melodic death metal stroke metalcore uh, quintet. There's five of them. There's five of them. Uh, Bleed From Within and the album Fracture. I remember many moons ago, uh, Bleed From Within was seen as metal's most exciting proposition. On the back of 2013's Uprising, excuse me, um, there was a lot of high praise for the album, a lot of high praise for the band in general. The live shows were coming in leaps and bounds. They were on, I think they were on like the Metal Hammer uh, Gods Tour at one point, I think alongside Trivium. Uh, or like New Gods Tour, whatever it was. Um, they were on... They must have been on Bloodstock on um, download. I think they might have been on Bloodstock as well. Basically, they were they were definitely getting their name out there as one of, like the uh, next generation's brightest sparks, and they were almost written off. I remember so much every time they popped up, like new new single from uh, Uprising. What the lead on there again? Uh, oh, the title track, like, the music video from that, or given a interview or anything like that. All because frontman Scott Kennedy had a fringe, kind of similar to Ollie Sykes. Everyone was like prepared to write him off for that alone. I'm like, you fucking dickheads. And like from Uprising, they went pretty quiet. They released a EP in 2014, which was um, Pledge Back, if I remember correctly. And all the momentum that they had brought up. Um, which is kind of gone. I think what was Uprising? So this is uh, would have been their third album. Yeah, um, Uprising. I think they built up into their third album, Uprising. It would have been like gone because yeah, they just disappeared for years. Um, and it wasn't until twenty eighteen where Bleed from Within came back. They came out with Error, and it leaned more into like the melodic death metal stuff. Um, Uprising, I always felt was more deathcore kind of record, um, and 
I wasn't the biggest fan of Era. It was very okay, personally. Um, but I could tell it knocked off a lot of the rust that the band had. They were trying to, like, just get used to being in a band again and, like, performing with each other. Um, I feel like Fracture is the true return to Bleed From Within's Triumph. Like, go straight in it, going straight in with the end of all we know. There's no floaty intro. There's no spoken word sort of thing. There's no, like, opening track. It's just riffs. It's just riffs upon riffs upon riffs. The trade-off between... The vocal trade-offs between uh, Scott Kenny and Stephen Jones. Um, those... They, like, brought them in for error. And they use them a lot more now. Just getting, like, the juxtaposition between the heavy harshes and, like, the gravelly cleans. They do it so well on here, which I'll talk about a little bit, bit, little bit later. Um, but the trade-off between them is fantastic. It, I think the opening song does bring out more of their metalcore side. I feel like the title track of the whole thing uh, as well hits more like Caliban, a German metalcore band, which is not a bad thing. Caliban are great as well. Um, I'd say definitely the second half of the album from that Fracture onwards is a lot stronger. You've got uh, Night Crossing with Matt Heafy that has like a massive chorus to it. The dual vocals on For All to See, the chorus of that. Again, the trade-off between Scott Kennedy and Stephen Jones is just insanely good. I like the fact that it's not like a high-pitched, quite gentle, clean vocalist as you often see in like metalcore. He is someone who has got like a bit of gruff in his own voice and it does have a bit of strength behind it as well. Um, Kennedy on his own is just such a better vocalist. He's got such... It is more of a growl. It is more like a determined um, execution as opposed to what was on something, say, like Uprising, where I admit he was a lot younger back then and probably a lot of why he sounds a bit more gruffer is because he's, he's done more of a puberty. He wasn't exactly young. Well, he was young-ish when Uprising came out. I think early 20s, but, you know seven years of difference will do that to a man um yeah he just he's does great on here uh a depth that no one dares has a big swear of city kind of bounce to it from deftones utopia has massive sugar vibes to me um it's just a, again and like giver it's very hard to like go into why each individual intricate little part of this melodic death metal album works so well it's just a great sounding heavy metal record the mix and the production the mix making everyone sound on point is a hurt is yeah it's that it's so good i can't even get my words out what are words anymore it's it's a great album i would want bands coming up now like trying to get that modern metal tag on them which i don't even know what that fucking means anymore um Bands coming through who want to be like have that edgy, like heavier groove to them, and especially in the UK, why not look at a band like Bleed from Within who have been able to go from very low, like early low production deathcore into like being able to hone their sound, find out what part of the heavy metalness about them they want to keep and how to expand that. Why not look at a band like that? Like, I'd say, um, like American bands, I'd look to a band like Trivium for that. For the UK, why not look at a band like Bleed From Within? They've seen a lot, even though they're all still quite young. 
they're great musicians they know again as you said they know how to get the heaviness out of even like, the softest part of the music i think yeah in terms of, like again modern metal don't know what it means but if for bands labeled like that i think bleed from within should be a pillar of that kind of scene to try and say like this is what you should be trying to do and or this is like an idea you should be trying to and how to write and how to present but yeah i think blue from within are going to be a very important um heavy metal band for the uk and for modern melodic death metal going forward um but for now at least they are 20 2020's number 12 um album of the year uh their fifth album fracture cool we are almost at the end of the first part we just got one more <coughs> let's see if i can survive uh it is potentially one of the most important albums of the year based on its content alone um it is the fourth album by run the jewels um rtj4 uh american hip-hop duo and I'm not going to pretend and sit here and say I would have definitely listened to RTJ4 and definitely have got, have understood the album more compared to, like, got understood the album more without the murder of George Floyd or the subsequent Black Lives Matter movement reemergence. I, of course, was aware of Run The Jewels, um, but then being hip-hop was not something I really paid much attention to. I knew they were, like, big in the scene. Um, a friend of mine at the start of the year said he was excited to hear the Run The Jewels album. So, at that point, it was kind of on my radar, radar this album. Um, but I honestly feel like if what happened didn't happen with George Floyd... What I don't think I, cause I gave this a lot of time because I wanted to kind of understand everything that was going on. I don't know if I would have given it as much time as I I did. So I don't I don't know if that makes me a good person or a bad person, but you know, full transparency of how I've come to like take this album. But with that context i felt it was so important to like take it in because killer mike when like those riots and protests started up killer mike was uh a key speaking a key vocal figure and even he was saying that i'm i'm just tired i don't know what else to do i'm just tired of why does this gotta keep happening i'm like oh my god and i think like many people it was the whole situation it's at the middle of the year was a very shocking wake-up call so oh yeah we do we do not live in a very prosperous equal world do we um and of course it should never have got to that point for us to realize but it it, it that's how it happened i'm afraid us white folk we're very fucking dense um so with that context and then going into the album and taking it apart and looking at lyrics it's just such a huge album for so many reasons there's a lot of pain in this album and a lot of lyrics that because I, I know when cause it got, uh, 
I think the release date got brought forward by like two or three days because they want to release it after the after George Floyd's passing. They want to release it almost as like a response to that. And I know a lot of people keep thinking that um, a song like Just, not Just, sorry, uh, Walking in the Snow would have been written exactly for George Floyd. But the way hip hop and the music industry works, no, no fucking way, no other chance. This, the fact that this song was written without this year's incident happening is insane because the the lyric on it um they promise education but really they give you tests and scores and they predict in prison population but who's scoring the lowest and usually the lowest scores lowest scores are poor there i'm gonna try again they promise education but really they give you tests and scores and they be predicting prison population by who's scoring the lowest and usually the lowest scores, the poorest, and they look like me. And every day in the evening news, it's feed you fear for free. And you send them, you call a co- you watch the cops choke out a man like me until my voice goes from a shriek to a whisper, I can't breathe. That fucked me up. I, without what happened with George Floyd, without what happened to like so many other people, um, the... I keep wanting to think Elijah McClain. Was it Eric Garner? That also... Um, Zilada? Yeah, Eric Garner. Zilada was also singing about. And they're just the ones that I've got written down right now. It's it's a repeated case, which is, you know, very documented now of how much that this sort of thing happens without people really noticing. To have that happen on so, on the top of something like um, George, Floyd's mo- George Floyd's murder was... Ju- it's just unreal. It's, and it, like I said, with the situation that happened, it put so much more into context and it ha- made the album sound so much bigger and more important. Like I said, I genuinely think this is the most important album you will listen to this year. Um, another lyric that I picked up on, uh, on just massive economics because you took yourself from squalor, slave, massive academics because you graciously your grades say you a scholar slave massive instagram because you instigate a follow shit look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar that last line was something that i initially picked up on by myself like the look at all these slave masters posting on your dollar um yeah american currency is full of people who own slaves and what the fuck is that um i can't even remember who's on british money at the moment but i imagine it's also people who are extremely problematic the fact that we were tearing down statues of slave owners in the uk and people were upset by that is enough as a commentary how this country's going but i went to genius um the lyric site and there's a great breakdown of that line master economics master academics master instagram um he offers three examples to have master economics one must escape the poverty that has been forced on by them has been forced on them by historical power structures. To have mastered academics, one must succeed in a school system that largely fails to serve black and other minority students. To have mastered social media, one must understand and manipulate rhetoric. One must understand and manipulate rhetoric around success, population, popularity, and race, including white beauty standards and stereotype expectations of behaviors. Fuck, I butchered that so much. Um, but the whole thing of Everything seems geared, and if well, not seems, everything is geared, everything is almost prioritized to 
white students to white um, content creators. Like, if I looked at my explore on Instagram now, don't know how much of that would have come from black creators. And it's not because I'm actively trying to avoid them at all. It's just everything that seems to be popping up just seems to be modeled by white folk or seems to be made by white folk. And it is a damning commentary on life in 2020. And that's why I think this album is so important because it is very real. It's not just... Um, a lot of emo bands will sing about things happening in their lives and we'll just like say oh it's so relatable but then for some reason things like this will just sort of like glaze over where it's it's just as like emo bands singing about the girl not liking you back is just as real as um black kids not getting the proper education because the school system continuously fails them you know and to, like, to avoid like the no no so i don't get labeled like woke and so to take away from that non-woke bias um, the album also covers like police, along with police brutality, political commentary. Um, at one point, Killer Mike compares himself to Bin Laden in terms of how to affect uh, the government as a whole. Um, LP and Killer and Killer Mike rap to each other like as a back and forth, like telling stories to each other, and always having a conversation between each other in between verses. Um, it's, uh, the album also covers. Els, the sexual assault of Elle's sister, capitalism, Killer Mike struggles following the passing of his mother, sex workers. There's a lot, again, a lot of very real subject matter in the album. Um, and a lot of it is covered. A lot of it is uncomfortable to listen to if you're your germs, but you, you should do. Uh, Pulling the Pin, which has Mavis Staples and Josh Homme in it. Mavis Staples, I think I heard, was on the Clipping album last year. Her particular vocal style, like, she's got such an emotional voice and it's almost haunting to hear it's very cinematic the song it's very foreboding josh homie has a very like ambient he just like vocalizes in the background but just adds to the general uh, feel of the song again mavis just sounds distraught in her execution like talking about like pulling the pin in a heart it's a very, very powerful song. And it's like when you think of hip hop, you always think of like the big rhythmic beats, and it all is a bit more musically, a little bit more lighter. But not not this, not pulling the pin. It's a lot, it's a lot more sinister sounding. Um, not sinister, a lot more emotional, darker, brooding sort of sound. Uh, Just, which features Pharrell Williams and Zach De La Rocca. First of all, it's lovely to hear Zach. Uh, singing, rapping again. Uh, Rage Against Machine, their reunion didn't quite pan out how we were expecting. Um, but he's still got that anger and that vitriol in his voice, the same way he always had in Rage. And how people only just realizing Rage Against Machine is a political band, you fucking idiots. Um, and like compared to the rest of the album, it's quite minimalist. It's one of my favorite songs on the album. Uh, not just for the lyric I mentioned a minute ago, but. You know, it's quite minimalist compared to the rest of the album in terms of its beat. It's almost trap-like as a result, which I ain't got a problem with. Um, yeah, I just think as a whole, the album is a very important thing to listen to. It's very important to hear what they are rapping about and what they're singing about. It's, as a whole, it is a, a really fucking good album. 
Um, ooh la la is a great shout. Um, out of sight. Uh, Walking in the Snow, just pulling the pin. Even the final track, um, A Few Words for the Final Squad, where it is very grandiose and very... Um, it's a very slow build. It just constantly feels like it's building and building and building, and then it's the end of the song, it's the end of the album. Um, it's, yeah, just very dynamic and very like broad for that final song, whereas the rest of the album, for the most part, is quite... I say very stereotypical, like standard hip hop. I don't know too much about hip hop. I'm not very au fait with it, but it's very standard hip hop whilst just being very, very good hip hop. Like some albums don't have to rewrite a genre. They just have to be really, really fucking good at that particular, excuse me, at that particular thing. Um, but, you know, I am not, I don't feel like I am qualified enough or knowledgeable enough to be able to fully go into the, intricacies of rtj4 and its lyrical content there are people who know a lot more about hip-hop and this sort of thing than me which i advise you seek out seek out i know i did when the album first came out um but just know it's a it's a fucking good album very very good album and it is my number 11 rtj by run the jewels just going over from 20 down to 11 because we have finished part one of the top 20 countdown for desolation sounds uh, so number 20 we had Ohms by Deftones number 19 was a self-titled album from Milk Teeth number 18 Petal for Armor, Petals for Armor by Hayley Williams 17 Svalbard with When I Die Will I Get Better number 16 Clipping Visions of Bodies Being Burned uh, 15 was Sharp Tooth with Transitional Forms number 14 The World Is In Your Way by Dragged Under 13 was Sculpture of Violence by Giver number 12 was Bleed From Within with Fracture and number 11 as I just said was run the jewels with rtj i think like i said i will be putting this out at the same time as part one so wherever i put it go and find it it'll be it should be available on all major podcasty things um also on the 10 to 1 it'll also i'll include a little bit about stuff that just was a disappointing and then another bit which is just plain shit um because there was a little bit of shit that i had to listen to this year which was shit just shit oh my god was it shit and then yeah countdown from 10 down to one do one one last big countdown from 20 down to one and then yeah that will be my top 20 of the year hope you've enjoyed it so far um stick around find the other half and i will see you there i'm gonna take a break because my throat really hurts um and i'm hungry so yeah that's me. Toodle bye.